I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I am your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 45. And here we thought we'd just be talking about a Juventus loss, which, you know, does seem to happen at a decent amount of time this season. But good old 12 o'clock in the, in the middle of the night news dump brought us Super League. So... I think we know what the conversation is going to be dominated about. So let me first bring in the crew here of Sam Lepressi. Hello, Sam. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> it's the end. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello, hello. Yeah, controversy galore. Um, it's, yeah, it's been an extraordinary 24 to 48 hours. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> without further ado... <laughs> Indeed it has. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Uh, I'm feeling pretty super lately. Pretty much pretty pretty top of the pyramid right now. <laughs> you know, Europe's elite and whatnot after uh, losing to Atalanta. But, you know, still Europe's elite here. So feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good about ourselves as yeah, a team, as a club. Yeah, it's a weird situation where, you know, we we obviously kind of start to plan ahead a little bit and we think that we're going to talk about a Juventus loss and how frustrating it was to see Juventus shoot itself in the foot again in a game they probably didn't deserve to to lose. And then as a newspaper man, I can relate it to the five o'clock news dump on a Friday where nobody's around to talk about it when you want them to talk about it. And at midnight in Italy, 
we get word from the Juventus Twitter account and all their social platforms that the Super League, the much talked about Super League, might actually be a go. And we, we say that, I hedged that a little bit because you never know if this is actually going to become a thing. And obviously there are a lot of hurdles they need to get over to, to make this happen. But Chucks, for me, this seems like about as close to a Super League happening as it can actually happen. They've got the the big money bank financing it, JP Morgan Chase. They've got obviously 12 clubs on board and they're trying to recruit a few more before getting going. And uh, they rolled out Florentino Perez tonight, right before we hit record, to uh, basically do a, as much of a selling job as he could. So, Chucks, your thoughts on the Super League? Gosh, uh, so much to say. <laughs> I know. It's like, where do you try, try do you and make start? it as short and concise <laughs> as possible, Chucks? I know, yeah. you know, it, it's a topic that obviously can be done in a few sentences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could have like three episodes on this, honestly, four, I mean, four or five episodes if we wanted to. But of course, you know, we're, uh, you know, we got, we got jobs, we got lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, where do you start? Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start from like kind of the economics angle of it. And, you know, it's funny, I was thinking today about uh, in my master's thesis that I wrote uh, some years ago, which was actually complete garbage. It was, I mean, it was terrible thesis, but anyway, I passed. But it, one of the good parts of my thesis otherwise was actually the literature review. And, you know, you just basically have to collect a bunch of papers and like summarize them and just, you know, talk about like, what is the general literature? What are all the smart people saying about your topic? And um, I came across one article uh, by Milton Friedman, the uh, Nobel laureate, uh, and one of the most highly respected uh, economists, uh, American economists of really the 20th century has since passed away. Um, and it's probably one of the most infamous lines in business and economics in general. And basically a reporter asked him, you know, what is the, uh, what's the purpose of business? You know, because there are a lot of businesses. That was kind of the time when businesses were doing more philanthropy and like more corporate social responsibility and stuff. And there was, and they say, you know, hey, Milton, you know, what's, what's the purpose of business? And he said, well, it's simple. The purpose of, or, the business of business is business. Um, and it's become one of just the most like, you know, biggest catchphrases and, and, you know, it's been disputed and all that. But I just thought of that today, like, you know, because this whole Super League thing is just the biggest indication yet, if you didn't know it already, that football clubs are businesses. And, you know, what is the business of business? Well, it is the business. Yeah, and it, it is to earn money. I mean, it is to maximize profit. Um, at this point, I mean, you know, there were doubts about that. Like, okay, you know, maybe football clubs are kind of like looking out for the fans and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the biggest indication yet that football clubs, their their purpose, the bigger ones anyway, um, is simply to maximize profit. And, you know, that's obviously what this is all about. But, you know, you said, Danny, like, this is kind of like the realest, yeah, the most real point we've ever gotten with the Super League. Because, you know, it's always been like, talks and like threats and uh, i mean they used it as kind of a bargaining tool i mean not, not understandably i mean i think that was a strategic i mean i don't agree with it but it was a strategic way of you know using it using it as a bargaining tool over the years of like okay we want more money or else we're going to form a super league well now this or else has happened and the reason that i think you know this is yeah i mean at this point i think it's basically going to happen because yeah i mean Agnelli has left the eca and just you know, all the statements have come out and the company has been formed, the Super League uh, 
like official, you know, company structure has been formed. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is real, but you know, I was reading, uh, I was trying to keep up with just a barrage of news coming out about it. It was pretty, pretty darn difficult to keep up with everything going on and still, you know, maintain a but one of the things that uh, I'd actually read from uh, Mina Rizuki, our, uh, you know, dear, uh, dear Mina, she, I thought she put it really well. And she said, look, we're all responsible for this in the sense that like fans, like us fans, like we complain about this, but like, we're responsible for this too. In the sense that like, you know, fans have always, or just the last few years, we've wanted more and more and more from our clubs. We, you know, we want the shinier toys. We want, you know, we don't want to settle with like, a well-constructed team we want oh we want uh Mbappe we want Messi we want all the like hottest new toys on the on the block we want the uh, um uh Hol- Hol- I think he pronounced it as Holland anyway the Dortmund the Norwegian striker you know we yeah we want all the big like amazing players and we don't just want them for like you know 20 mil 30 mil we say no pay 200 mil for them go on then and then yeah what does that do it forces the clubs basically to to have to generate more revenue to pay for these bigger, bigger players and these bigger demands from fans uh, for, you know, just the shinier toys. And yeah, I mean, if you need more revenue, well, what is the Super League about? <laughs> about getting more profit, well, more revenue and profit. So yeah, I, I agree with Mina on that, in that sense. Like, you know, we are all responsible for this. You know, the media as well, and always hyping up, um, you know, 17 year olds have scored three goals, uh, three consecutive goals or something, you know, and saying, oh, is this the next Messi? It's all this hype. Like it's, you know, all this like constant hunger for more, more, more. And yeah, I mean, that's what I think has driven a lot of this, you know, super league well, bonanza really. Well, I won't, you know, mon- monopolize the, uh, the conversation too, too much too early and obviously give uh, Sam and uh, Sergio a chance to jump in. But I think just, you know, that struck me most that, you know, Mina's comment there on like, you know, we are all frankly responsible for this. And yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. I think just as kind of a last well thought before I pass on the torch, you know, a lot of fans have, I mean, a lot of fans, everyone basically has come out against this very, very strongly negative comments about it. But you know what the solution, we know what the solution to this whole Super League stuff is. And it, it sounds kind of it's patronizingly simple but just don't watch like don't watch them you know because what's this whole thing about it's about money where does the money come from from you know fans and commercial deals and stuff and but at the end of the day the fans generate the revenue generate the value so you know if you don't like this then don't watch if enough people don't watch then yeah that's there goes the money basically um which you know again i don't say say that to be like patronizing but i say that more in a sense to empower people like you know, the power still really is in the hands of the fans. Like, if the fans don't watch, you know, Juventus, Milan, Inter, Real, and all the other, um, you know, all the other horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> um, then, uh, yeah, then, you know, the money will hopefully siphon away. And then, yeah, we will be the winners. I, I'm finding myself strangely feeling almost the same way that I felt in August when Andrea Pirlo was made Juventus manager in that I have absolutely no idea what's coming next. The difference here being instead of excitedly one, you know, wait, wondering in this excitedly and wanting to see what happens. I, I, I kind of am really afraid of this. I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm watching two trains barrel down the track at each other and, 
and about to 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 crash because you know this this is you know your proverbial two-headed snake eating itself you know uefa has has been feeling this threat for a long time and you know they're the wounded animal right now and they're gonna lash out and they're probably gonna lash out very hard you know everything that we have talked about on this podcast written about in the blog about potential transfer moves are out the freaking window right now because we don't even know if Juventus is going to be allowed to play in Serie A next year or Inter or Milan or, you know, any of these 12 teams because we don't know what discipline is going to take. UEFA has said that they'll ban players who take part in the Super League from playing for their national teams. FIFPRO, the the Global Players Union, has come out and very strongly said that they will challenge that legally if they try. You know, this is, you know, it's very, it's entirely possible that these 12 teams are going to spend all the money that they get in from the Super League on legal fees. And just the, just what bugs me the most is that a system where you don't get into European competition on merit is just fundamentally wrong. And I mean, yes, here I say that while, you know, Danny and I were talking baseball a little bit before the, the game. And that's, you know, the American model of sports does not include promotion relegation does not include earning your way into a, a big competition, but that's always been the way those game, those sports worked. And that's always been the soul of those sports for better or worse. And the soul of this sport has always been to earn your way in. And that is, I guess what these teams are also a little bit afraid of. I mean, cause you know, here's Juve struggling to make it into the Champions League places this year. When was the last time Arsenal was in the Champions League? Legitimate question. I don't actually remember. Two or three years ago, give or take, I think. In the Champions League? Yeah, I think three, four years. I, I don't think it's been that long. Though, you know, I, I'm not particularly sure, but I don't think it's been that long. When was the last time Arsenal was in the Champions League? I'm Google. St- <laughs> Searching for this as we speak. Yeah. 2016-17. Really? Yeah, it's been that recent? Fast. I thought it was more. Yeah, I three, thought it was years. longer than that. Search but, you know. Know. Yeah, I was right. I have a friend who roots for Arsenal, so that's kind of like why I kind of halfway know why Arsenal has been in the Champions League. But re- regardless... To consider Arsenal an elite club these days is pushing it in the extreme. To call Tottenham Hotspur an elite club is just laughable. But then you have, you know, Juventus is a storied club. Are they particularly elite right now? Well, let's go to the videotape. Atalanta won, Juventus nil. No, um, no let's, hmm. not, let's not go to the videotape. I don't want to relive the videotape. <laughs> But here's the thing, just to to talk about, just using Atalanta as an example, because, um, you know, Andrea Agnelli made that 
stupid statement a while back about, you know, you know, why is that, why are teams like Atalanta do teams like Atalanta get to be in the champions league as if, you know, that's one of the things that I've hated about this whole thing is that, you know, like, you know, there is this attitude amongst these teams. That's like, how dare these small teams exist to bother us. But when you take it into account Atalanta and this is coming from before they really rounded in and started becoming a, a champions league level team, this is from the from starting in the 2016-17 season. Juventus in Serie A games against Atalanta, three wins, six draws, one loss. And we are arrogant enough to do this? And be really thanks to Andrea Agnelli and the positions that he that he held and the the really public statements that he made that you know contradicted that this would be that this would be coming like this and now just looks at Sergio you said this on the Slack channel yesterday and I'm sorry for stealing it in an in, in an endeavor in which Florentino Perez is involved Andrea Agnelli now looks like the slimiest person in it like I don't I really I'm trying to figure I I really really kind of want to know if this came about partly because Andrea Agnelli is looking at the books post COVID and panicking, or if he's really that two faced, it's just a, it's rough to be a fan of a team that's at the forefront of this, which is just, in my opinion, disrespectful of the game, disrespectful of the, of, uh, of every, uh, of, you know, the entire uh, and disrespectful of us as fans. Cause what's really, you know, are we supposed to just follow along and say, yay, this is going to be great. And th- th- I'm going to put this in here. I was just before we started recording my friend, Marcello Maruca, who's one of the board members at the Juventus club in New York, where I'm a part of, said this in a WhatsApp channel. And I want to, I, I, I she, she's letting me read it out loud. Now she goes, here's a thought I had today that on principle is very simple. Taking into consideration any format of competition where you have to be invited instead of it being based on merit, how is this Super League going to be any more fun to watch than when you get invited to play in a preseason match against a big team? Because the players are all of a sudden going to take it more seriously because they're told to, because it's worth more money. And that's pretty much, I, I think that was spot on. I hadn't really thought, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I think she hit a nail on the head. How is this special? because we're being told to because we're being told it is. And I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to, am I going to stop watching Juventus? Probably not because, you know, I get paid to uh, <laughs> <laughs> money talks, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it is my job. I have a contract and I'm going to fulfill it <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing it. But I mean, th- this, this just, I like, I don't, I can't envision myself getting charged up for this and I can't get, you know, just, just because, you know, they say that they're the best. You have to prove that you're the best to be the best. Rick, what did Ric Flair say? To be the man, you got to beat the man. And here are 12 teams saying we are collectively the man and not all of them are proving it right now. And, and that's what, that's where it comes down to. These, these are guys that just want 
they want more because they have a lot already. And that is ridiculous. It's insulting to our intelligence. And, and here's hoping that cooler heads are going to prevail and eventually everybody's going to realize that this is going to Im just implode the entire, you know, implode everything. And we're going to be looking at an Armageddon in football and some sort of compromise will be reached eventually. But this is not a good look for anybody right now. I mean, when you make yourself look worse than UEFA, you've done a lot of work to get that done. And unfortunately, we're, the, we're one of the parts of it. You know, you, you both mentioned something important, and, and that was, you know, why, why should we care? Why does it matter? Why, why is this now the elite, quote-unquote, elite league? And, you know, the way that in, in the brilliant minds of, of Florentino Perez and Andrea Agnelli and, and all, the, all the head honchos of the, of the European Super League, it makes a lot of sense the way they, they, they think about it. It's like, we want to have this source of revenue guaranteed. We want to always play Champions League. We, we don't want to have absolutely any risk. And we're going to invest more money in it because we know we have these revenues on deck. And, you know, we can allow to ourselves to do that. And, you know, you will end up caring about this league because they, right now, they're not the best teams. I agree with you 100%. They're not the best teams. I mean, all this respect to Tottenham Hotspurs that they're just they're just not historically or currently they're just not one of the best teams in Europe same for AC Milan same for Inter even like Inter they will most likely win the league this year but they haven't won anything in 10 years like what are we talking about here they're the among the Europe's elite that's not that's not true you know Bayern Munich is not there PSG is not there like whatever that, that's just splitting hairs but the thing is in their mind this is a slam dunk this is awesome because they're copying the exact same model that the u.s sports have right like they always have this guaranteed revenue no matter what they split the tv rights and no matter if you're you know the new york yankees or the tampa bay race you still have a piece of the pie and you know you have this guaranteed revenue and then you know it depends you already have that it's a secure thing it's awesome for them like if i were just a Juve fan and i just didn't really care about football at all or at large or about you know the history of it or about the romanticism of it or whatever i'd be psyched for this because if it works that means that my team is always going to be the best in italy by far we already have just commercially we we lap almost every other team in the league with these like if this were to to pass Now we have, you know, we're completely playing in a different league, quite literally. But if we're also playing in Italy, no team is ever going to reach us from a, from a money standpoint. We're going to be able to buy the best players, pay the highest wages. Like, you know, you can book the, the Italian Serie A for either Juve, Inter or Milan for the next 20 years. This would be awesome. But the truth is that it's just something that, that has, like you said, it has no sporting merit It just goes against the basic premise of, of open competition, of geographical geographical ties, of a sense of community, of purpose, of, of everything that we want to talk ourselves about football. It just goes against that. It just it 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 turns you know football into just a money making uh, scheme. That's what it is. It's just the, the only valid reason for this European Super League to exist 
is to make more money. That's it. It, it provides no sporting uh, really, you know, benefits other than, you know, it really provides no sporting benefits. It provides absolutely no benefits to the domestic leagues because now all their teams, like 90% of the league is at a complete disadvantage to the top two, three clubs. So it provides no advantage to them. And, and it just, it only succeeds in making money. That's it. That's the only purpose of it. And in their minds of, of the, of, you know, the Florentinos of the Agnellis of the world, that's the only thing they want to do. And if they want to, if they, and if they can skip the Champions League and be guaranteed a, a, you know, Super League spot every year and, you know, win their domestic competitions every year, they're fine with that. The only problem here really is that, you know, UEFA is not really going to take this, you know, laying down. That's it. And, and the only reason they're upset is not because they value the purity of the game is because they got cut out of the deal it's because they're going to stop making money. So, you know, this is one of those things where it's like it makes sense only in the money perspective. Every other perspective sucks for the fans. It sucks because it's going to lead to just, you know, it, it could lead to UEFA and FIFA banning these clubs from domestic competition. And now you only have the European sub Super League to look forward to. So you're going to have less matches. Uh, it, it sucks for the fans of, you know, lower table clubs, of clubs from outside of the top five, you know, European leagues that they just don't have that pathway to ever play, the, you know, in the Champions League or to ever play in like important domestic competition. It, it just, it sucks for everyone except for the Super League clubs that are going to get super, super rich. And, you know, at the end of the day, if, if that's what they're into, if they are looking at their club as a money-making thing, as a business purely, then this is slam dunk and it's going to happen. And it, it's just going to be kind of, a little bit worse for everyone. Everyone's going to be a little bit worse off except those clubs, but they will get very, very rich. That is, that is for sure. I think that's a great, I think it's a great business plan. It really, really is. But outside of that, I, I just don't think, you know, as a fan, I think everyone's going to be worse off. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They won't just get rich, they will get richer. Because as as I was kind of joking around before we hit record here, Florentino Perez is worth a couple billion euros. The Agnelli family, obviously, is one of the richest groups of people in all of Italy. And I'm not sure where they fit into Europe, but I would think they're pretty they're pretty high up there. You know, the, the Swiss Ramble, who's known for tweeting out a whole lot of, of, of finances about the sport, mentioned online last night when things were starting to 
get a little wild. You know, he, go, he goes, you know, the, here's a clue as to why 12 clubs have signed up for a European Super League. They lost a combined 1.2 billion pounds in 2019-2020 before player sales. And there's a caveat with Liverpool not publishing their accounts. And that was also with just three months of the season impacted by the pandemic and uh, no player sales being involved. So you got that. But the pandemic obviously just seemed to, I at least in my mind, accelerate this process because teams are, you know, as we've discussed with Juventus, they're looking at their bottom line and they're losing so much money because they're not getting fans in the stands because of, you know, people, honestly, they don't have, you know, say the disposable income as much as they used to, but, you know, it, it's, it's just no pun intended. It's so rich that, you know, you've got these rich club presidents trying to sell us on why this is so much better for the sport where, I mean, I, I think I was, I heard it earlier, you know, they're pretty much guaranteed at least $400 million each. So they've got that income right away. And as we know from Juventus's first half of the fiscal year report, that $400 million can go a whole lot, can go a whole long way into solving their current financial issues. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's depressing from a fan's point of view because it's, it's, it's another kind of FU to, to us where it's like money talks, who cares what the fans think. And, you know, as much as we want to stay emotionally invested in this, it's almost like, you know what, if they don't care about us, why should we care about them? And like, but like Sam said, you know, I will probably still watch because that is what I do. No, I'm still undecided about if I'm going to watch or not. <laughs> I'm not gonna... But you have a podcast to record. Uh, yeah, with yeah. yeah, it's going to be a bit of an awkward situation. <laughs> we'll watch. We'll watch. Do you know why? Do you know why we'll watch? Because it's going to be awesome football. Because it's going to be like, they're going to be so rich. They're just going to have the 20 best football teams in the entire world. And you're going to watch it because it's going to be an awesome show. Like it is, it just is. It's a great plan in the sense that they will be very rich and they will have very good clubs and it's going to be really fun. It just sucks that it had to come in this kind of like money grabbing, haughty, just way of doing it, but it's going to be really fun football to watch. There's no there's no way that it doesn't end up being really fun football to watch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably right in that sense, but I don't know. It it it, it feels um you know, football is one of the I guess few kind of uh few sports that I felt anyway that was kind of protected from it was still kind of pure in a sense that, you know, for instance, in Spain, you have uh, clubs that are own, owned by the, the socios, you know, the, the, the member, basically social membership uh, clubs, you know, so I'm, hey, I'm, I can be a socio, I can pay a monthly or a annual fee, and I own some kind of stake in a club, I can vote for the president, you know, and that kind of social membership, that that reflection of a community that, you know, the community being a significant stakeholder of the club I don't know. I, yeah, I felt like football was kind of unique in that sense. But obviously, that's that's been changing over, you know, long, long, long before the Super League happened. And and again, it's like we've been talking about or well, Super League talks have been in in the press for, I mean, over a decade, surely. I mean, you know, it's been 
Yeah, man, I mean, it's been for as long as I can remember, they've been talking about a Super League. Yeah, that, there's, there was something going around last night after the Super League news broke where I believe it was Arsene Wenger in, in 20 or 2009 was saying that the Super League is coming and obviously, or that it was coming in the next decade and obviously it was right. a couple of years off. But I mean, the fact that they've been thinking about a Super League is nothing new. But like I said earlier, we're about as close to it actually happening as we've, we've ever been before. I, I find the timing interesting in another way too, because this was the day, but this, this broke that this broke out the day before UEFA came out with their new format for the champions league. That's going to start up in 2024. So, you know, it, it, it it's another, I, I think, you know, that, that was a big reason for the timing I think was just to, to gazump them, in in that respect i do agree with you danny very much that i don't know if we would have gotten i don't know if we would have gotten it this way without covid i think that just you know teams are so desperate right now and have just been hemorrhaging so much money because so many of their normal revenue streams are gone um uh, how much money did not playing in the international champions cup probably cost all these teams this year I don't know. That's probably, it's probably something. And, and, you know, I know that, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, especially people who actually do support this idea, you know, talk about how well UEFA and FIFA are, you know, immensely corrupt in, institutions in their own right. And it's, yeah, they are. But when it comes to the, I think when it comes to the threat of the game, the current system is, you know, kind of like the clock king, whereas what we're looking at with the Super League is dark side. <laughs> I, I think there are so many dangers to what to what can happen. You know, if if the big teams do get suspended from domestic competition, are the leagues going to survive? Like, are the leagues going to get a lot of viewership? You know, is La Liga going to get a lot of viewership without Atletico Madrid, uh, Barcelona, and and Real Madrid, who our newest man, Caleb, mentioned today? One of those three teams has won every Spanish title since 2002. It's been even longer since one of the Juve, since somebody outside the Juve Inter Milan triad has won the Scudetto. And that's why I, I said before, this is an Armageddon scenario, I think. If UEFA and FIFA really go through with this and suspend these clubs from all competitions that they're, you know, that are that they sanction, including their domestic competitions, then you're looking at a cascade effect down the entire pyramid that could very well kill a lot of clubs, kill a lot, kill leagues. Because all of a sudden, your main draws are gone of their own volition. You know, like I said, I think everybody realizes that. And, you know, eventually, if everybody's beak gets wet enough, maybe we'll see some detente here. But there could be some really serious ramifications down the line. And, the, and another thing... You know, do you really think Cristiano Ronaldo is going to take not being allowed to play at the World Cup? Do you think that Cristiano Ronaldo 
or uh, who's somebody else, or Luka Modric, or 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 you know any of those guys. Do you think that they're gonna look? Do you think that if if that that kind of suspension really suddenly becomes law and they're not allowed to play in the big tournaments? Do you think they're gonna stick around in those with the Super League clubs very long? Because they're gonna want to play in those games. Well, that that's also what I'm wondering is that why would why would FIFA and and the like do that when obviously they're of the same like mind when they're trying to make money too? You know, you take away Ronaldo, you take away Messi from a World Cup those are your two biggest draws. And it's like, well, your viewership is going to tank if, if the best players aren't at your tournament. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the, the fish in the end of finding Nemo. Now what? (laughs) So I'm sure, uh, you know, for any listeners uh, that, that have studied uh, game theory in the past. So, I mean, as you know, I studied economics and briefly uh, studied game theory. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, pretty difficult, but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of mental gymnastics and stuff. But anyway, one of the things that I learned um, in game theory was this uh, concept of a credible threat. So basically a credible threat is like, you know, if I, you know, if I say, or anyway, from the way I understood it, it's like, if I say, you know, Danny, uh, do this or else, xyz don't you tell me what to do <laughs> I, I i ain't the man of you <laughs> um, but you know if i say yeah do this or else xyz well if like the or else bit if the xyz part if that actually harms me more doing that if that if doing that harms me more than just keeping the status quo then it's not a credible threat because if yeah i mean if, if, if i say you know yeah uh do this or else i'll Kick you, kick you off the podcast. Uh, if kicking you off the podcast hurts, <laughs> can't keep a straight face saying that. <laughs> if if kicking if kicking you off the podcast hurts me more than keeping you on it, then it's not a credible threat. So you know, basically, you just call, call my bluff. And I think it's the same thing with with UEFA slash FIFA slash the domestic associations saying, you know, if you guys go on with the Super League, then we'll kick you out of the competitions. Well, I don't think it's a credible threat because it's going to hurt them more than, um, you know, keeping well, keeping them in it. That said, I mean, I'm just thinking about the logistical aspects of it. And I think it's logistically in terms of the match schedule, it's almost impossible to keep everyone in these competitions. Because think about it, if you're... Um, well, if you're Juventus, so then you're playing Serie A, you're playing Coppa Italia, uh, Supercoppa, Champions League, Super League, and then, if applicable, uh, Club World Cup and um, what else? Yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, that is... I don't think they'd be playing in the Champions League if they were in Super League. Oh, well, well yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, but the domestic associations, like Serie A and stuff, and potentially, like, World Cup, Nations League, and, you know, because, yeah, I mean, if... UEFA and FIFA are saying, you know, they're going to ban them from like international competitions. Well, okay. But let, let's say that they, that that's legally impossible, which I, I think legally it's going to be, I, I don't know how legally they're going to follow through on that. But yeah, I mean, if you're a player playing for uh, Juve, then you're going to be playing like what, six, five, six competitions. I mean, in terms of the match schedule, that's almost impossible. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to maintain the current match schedule as is right now. And then add another, I mean, it's like, 
I'm just thinking about logistically, I don't know how you can squeeze that into the schedule. I think what would really happen if you would have that, we would basically have a season like we've had this season, you know, where we had, um, I mean, what, seven games in like uh, three weeks or something. I think you would have that basically on a consistent basis, which would be completely untenable. I mean, uh, players would fall apart, you know, with what, three, four days rest between games. I mean, they'll, you know, it, he would have FIFA pro complaining quite a bit probably. So um, yeah, I think log- logistically just off the top of my head, I, I don't think that would work keeping them in all competitions. So I don't know, something's got to give, I don't know what will, but something's got to give. And yeah, I mean, oh, and actually just a quick comment uh, before we move on, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people, always say that you know uefa and fifa are corrupt and stuff like that and which yes okay yes (laughs) like fifa obviously you know very very done just horrible things i mean legally i mean they've been brought to court and clearly just like there's research or there's evidence out there that they've just been disgraceful you know corrupt company Uh, uefa obviously have had their issues as well that said i still think you know we should be a little bit careful of, of like jumping on the uh, UEFA slash FIFA bashing bandwagon, because at the end of the day, you know, okay, FIFA or UEFA and FIFA, yeah, they pocket a lot of money, but they also give money to the Finnish league, to the C- Cyprus league, to the Maltese league, like all these obscure little leagues that money is still going distributed from UEFA and FIFA to these small leagues. And like, that is for a lot of them, that is their lifelines. Um, you know, I always think about like, um, they have programs like, I don't know, um, football for kids with disabilities or, you know, football for like disadvantaged kids. And like, that is still organized by the governing bodies. And, and, you know, we do have to remember that, that, okay, they're, they're, they're not great people, but they're still looking out for the collective, not very well, but they're still looking out for, you know, the small leagues and, and yeah, just, just, you know, small clubs and just the regular everyday person. And yeah, so, I mean, you know, we should be, I think just be a little careful with just like, or I'm just speaking to people in general, like um, just pause a bit when you're going on the, you know, uh, UEFA are corrupt and like this and that. And then, you know, another thing I remember when I was researching uh, my book, I chapter sort of on this topic. And I remember uh, finding this interview with uh, um, Javier Tebas of, uh, I think he's the La Liga or Spanish, yeah, La Liga president. And they were talking about like, you know, the whole deal with uh, how the Copa, Super Copa in Spain has like been revamped into like a semi semifinal final format. And, you know, obviously it's for money. And, you know, he was criticized for that. And then people were, and then he said, well, yeah, okay, look, yeah, it's for money. It's for more, more money. But he said, you know, where a lot of this money is going to go to, to supporting women's football, to supporting like football for people with like, or no, the women's football into um, football in the Spanish third and fourth and fifth division. And I was like, yeah, fair play. Like that's, again, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make, you know, like, okay, bash on UEFA and FIFA and stuff, but they're still looking out for fourth, fifth, sixth division, uh, Cyprus league, San Marino league, which I'm pretty sure the, Super League clubs can could care less about. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's there are no heroes. There are there are just a lot of villains and less bad villains in this situation. FIFA is for the people. I've often said. I've often 
held that that belief. Sing it, wait, man. wait, were you one of the like six people that saw United Passions then, or like what? Yeah, I was hyped. I wanted to get into into football administration after that for sure. It was my my lifelong passion. But you know, I I do think that you know the the one thing that I, I do agree with you very much is that FIFA, for all its flaws, does have some interest in in maintaining some sort of parity and. You know, you mentioned it before, Sam, like what would happen if, if, you know, if they, they, they kind of, they, they force their hand and they say, well, if you want to play in your Super League, you're out of the World Cup, you're out of the domestic competitions, you only have your Super League and, and whatnot. And if it were to go through and if, if it were to work, I, I think that the only thing that would happen is that they, the domestic competitions would not fold. There would not be a, a La Liga anymore. There, there would still be a La Liga. There would still be a Premier League. It would still be a city ad that there, there would still would be a lot of domestic interest. I mean, not all of Italy just roots for, you know, Inter Milan and Juve. There are a lot of clubs that would remain there. The, the one thing that I think would happen is you'd, you'd have a de facto feeder system. That That's what would happen. I mean, you'd, you'd essentially have, you know, a top European Super League with all the big clubs that can afford the biggest wages, that can afford the biggest transfer fees, that will just buy out everyone else. And you'd have this smaller domestic competition, Serie A, La Liga, Premier League, and you would have these teams there, you know, that, that would just essentially work as a feeder system. You'd have what? the American sports system. You'd have a, a, a system in which lower leagues kind of like pay less, have, you know, crap your stadiums, crap your TV deals because the football is worse. So not as many people want to watch. I can guarantee you that I'm sure that the deal that, the new Serie A without all the good teams and good all the good players, it will definitely make less money. So you'd still have teams there. It'd just be a worse product. And, you know, young, you know, prospects would go up that system and hope to play good, well enough in those leagues to get seen by a, a big, you know, European Super League team and get bought there. Is that a better system than what we have right now? Probably not. But I, I could definitely see something like that ending up being the the de facto system. Would a would a player decide to make a transfer like that when you're basically only playing less than two dozen games a year in your super league and that's it? Are they gonna sure. want that? Sure, because they're gonna and, earn... and is it gonna be sustainable? And is it going to be sustainable for the super league teams if they're not allowed to play domestic competition? to to do that is it going is because yes you get a lot of money out of the super league but if you if these 12 teams end up be or you know or however many i know they want 20 in there if if say, say they get that number if these teams are the only are, are only playing the super league schedule every year that's maybe what two dozen games based on what you know less you know between 15 and 20 games how are you going to sustain yourself on that? We talk, we've been talking for the last year, for the last year about how you, one of the biggest parts of Juve's financial difficulty is that they don't have butts in seats in the, in, at the Allianz. You, you, you say, you, you know, take the, the scenario where Juventus is barred from, from all Italian domestic competitions. They're only playing in the Super League. That's what, 10 home games a year is that a sustainable thing 
I don't think it is. It works for I the NFL. Go, I think they'd it? crap out very quickly. So it works for the NFL, doesn't it? I mean, it works for a lot of, you know, obviously you'd, you'd have to increase the scope, probably bring in more teams, probably play more games. Obviously, this is not, I'm not advocating for this, by the way. I don't want right. this no, to happen. No, I, I totally understand but, you know, that. I totally understand that. To happen, I'm, devil's, I'm devil's see... advocating. I'm devil's advocating the situation that you don't want to happen. But like that's... Yeah, no, of course. But <laughs> I, that, that would be the scenario in which both, you know, everyone kind of sticks to their guns and everyone's worse off. I could definitely see a scenario in which they add those 20 teams. Maybe they make it larger. They make it, I don't know, 20, 22 teams or something like that. You play, you know... 20, 24 games, you maybe at a sort of cup there and you make it work. I mean, I don't think it'd be the best show. I don't think it'd be the best, you know, for the fans. I don't know how good it'd be, but I could definitely see it working if if it came to that. I mean, they, they already got, I don't know how many billions from JP Morgan and the league doesn't even have like, you know, it's, it's as much of a bet as anything else. I mean, the, the league is in a, you know, it's going to be in a legal you know, battle with UEFA and FIFA and pretty much everyone involved in the world. And they already have that funding. So, you know, obviously the, they're pretty confident that the money will be there. So I, I think that they could make it work and they could adopt a, a model like the NFL, right? Like the NFL has how many, you know, how many home games per, per season, I think eight or nine or something like that. So yeah, but that's, and, that's and also just a fundamentally different it, that that the American system is a fundamentally different is fundamentally different in that way. And also, no, but they want to I do mean, that. Compared, they want and, to I make mean, that compare system. the. Yeah, but com, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't know if it I don't know if you can cross pollinate that. Like, you know, you've got, you know, yes, you've got the, you know, you know, yes, you've only got eight home games. Plus, if you make the playoffs, you get, you know, one or two more per per team in the NFL. The NFL's TV contracts are also worth something like one point five billion dollars. And and that's where do you the, think the, more, the majority of get. the NFL? The <laughs> I don't know if the Super NFL's would get that. Is, the majority I, of I, the NFL's I, revenue is through TV. So, yeah, exactly. especially since like right now, I think that right now, I think the the television distributor for that would be design i think they're the ones that are into this and design are struggling financially as it is yeah no obviously i I think you know if if the nfl gets that one point something billion and we're only talking about the american market that's it because the nfl is not a global sport you're talking about the biggest clubs of the most popular sport in the world i'm pretty confident they would get someone like if they promise to have the best clubs there, I'm pretty sure to get someone to pay even more money than that for that TV deal. I think that TV deal not, could be not massive. Pre- not even the Premier League gets that much money out of out of their TV. I don't think. I, I think that the, the first the the zone, which is a funky ass name, but I I think it was like in the three billion so like it was a massive massive offer it was an insane offer and if like if you really think about it who doesn't want like who watches real madrid who watches barcelona who watches you know all these big clubs i I think the interest there would be worldwide i think it'd be massive and i i do think they can make it work money-wise i I think if money doesn't 
if if the fan reaction isn't enough to drive people away from actually watching that's the other part of this is that right now they're pissing off a lot of fans the fan reaction i've seen is overwhelmingly negative in this yeah but once again talk is cheap man it's you know people i that that's what i meant with at the beginning when i said that you know fans have the power in this but yeah i mean it's it remains to be seen how how willing fans are to follow through on that threat i mean like i said i'm still on the fence a little bit but before I get go on with that, I was just looking at the Premier League, uh, looking at an article in 2018 on BBC. Five of seven live packages, uh, TV rights, packages sold for £4.464 billion. And that was 2018. So, uh, yeah, Premier League gets quite a chunk of money as well. Um, yeah, you know, the four four billion. Uh, uh, I, I have it here that the zone is willing to pay $3.5 billion. For the TV rights to the Super League, if it goes ahead, definitely there. I, I, I do think that money wouldn't be an issue with the fan yeah. worse stuff, almost yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think this is also a point where it's like, you know, we, we just don't like. There's not much we can say until we see like more, you know, concrete stuff, and like we can only speculate so much. Of course, like Sergio said, I mean, we, <laughs> I'm sure they've done their numbers, and I'm sure they've. Uh, you know, found this to be profitable for them. So um, yeah, that's, yeah, money, money, money. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, you've got clubs basically guaranteed $400 million each, whereas I believe the Champions League winner, so that's one club, they get $100 million after the season. So as we've been saying, the financial, the financial, uh, whatever you want to call it is driving this. And we uh, will certainly be in for an interesting few weeks here. Cause I know, as, as we mentioned earlier, Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid president, who I believe is now the super league president was on. He got a promotion. He did get a promotion. Hooray for him. He gets more money because that's what he deserves. Right. Uh Uh, He, he was giving a lengthy interview to a Spanish TV station that I'm not even going to try to pronounce saying that they want to try and get started in August. So yeah, there's about to be a lot they of might court- have to if they want to play any games. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of court battles, I'm sure, and a lot of uh, bad things said back and forth between the highest governing folks in the sport. So uh, this this ain't the last time we're talking about it, that's for sure. So uh, before we go, we wanted to touch on the Juventus Atalanta game at least a little bit because. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Seeing as the game started at, at six o'clock in the morning, my time, when I took my post-game nap, you know, that's, that's what I thought we'd be talking about here. But I believe, uh, <laughs> I believe we, we are kind of all under the agreement that Juventus played relatively okay, maybe faded a little bit as the second half went on, but another mistake, they don't close out on on one of their man on, off a off a corner kick, and then all of a sudden uh, another late loss and drop points happened, and here we are again, sweating out the possibility of finishing outside the top four. However much that's worth now, um, <laughs> yeah, right. It looked it looked <laughs> um, a little different at at nine o'clock in the morning my time than nine p.m. my time. I can say for yeah, that. It, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, and it really is just like so many of these games are the, the small, tiny little mistakes, you know, like the Benevento game, you know, 
Benevento's the margin of, of victory for Benevento was their only shot on target. Atalanta only had two shots on target in that entire game. And they both came in the 85th and 86th minute or 86th and 87th minute. One was the, the free kick by Malinovsky. And then I don't know what Artur was thinking. I mean, I know he's only been in Serie A for the last year. So he doesn't know like, you know, he doesn't know Malinovsky as well as some of the other guys on the team do and know that Malinovsky has that freaking cannon on him to, to, to take those long range shots, but freaking close your man. My God, Artur had, Artur was really, really, really bad in that game. He turned the ball over seemingly every time he touched it. And then he doesn't close a guy out that that was, you know, th- that was the mistake, but you know, Pirlo talked about, at the end of the game, how Juve basically played the match that they wanted to play. And I don't think that that was necessarily wrong. It was just that again, that the one mistake and, you know, and again, you know, here we go back to roster construction, the lack of Pirlo's ability to make a change, you know, the only attacking element that Pirlo had on his bench was Dejan Kulusevski, who you knew was going to be played out of position up front because you knew Paulo Dybala was not going to get through the entire game um, with with Ronaldo out. And, and meanwhile, on the other side, Gianpiero Gasperini gets to throw in Marco Pasalic, really, really good player. Josip Ilicic, really, 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 really good player. Ruslan Malinovsky, a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing on Juventus one day he had more and that's, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of people who talk, who are, you know, who, who in their minds pin this season on Pirlo for being inexperienced or whatever, you know, what's an, what's another more experienced manager going to do when you don't have a lot to put on your, to throw on, on your bench. And the other guy does, that's just, you know, you have to use what you have and, what Pirlo has, as has been proven time and time again this season, is not very much. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think they played particularly poorly, actually. Uh, I, I actually do think that for the first 45, 50 minutes, I think they were the better team. You know, I just, they were playing really well. They kind of were making Atalanta play their game instead of them playing, you know, Atalanta's game, which I thought was pretty good. I... You know, it's one of those games that you really come out thinking, look, this just wasn't their day. They just, you know, had that bad mistake. You know, Atalanta gets a lucky bounce and and they win it. It was one of those games that Juventus has been winning for the better part of nine years. When it's like, you know, it it could have gone either way. And the team that got the breaks got the breaks. And that's why they won. And it's exactly the type of game that Juventus has been winning the last decade. I, I so many times, like just off the top of my head, I think that 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 season, the season they came back when they were, uh, I think in 12 or something like midway through the season, and then they came back and won it. The game against Napoli in Allianz Stadium at the time, still Juventus Stadium, in which is a pretty even game. It was kind of going, you know, it, it, was, it was just going back and forth. And then Simone Sasa shoots this, you know, nothing shot that gets deflected. And that's the goal. And they win the match. And it's like, it, it just, it brought me flashbacks to that. It's like just an evenly played match that, you know, one team got the lucky break they needed. The other one didn't. 
And I guess at some point, at some point, those breaks were not going to go Juventus' way. And this is the season that that it just seems to be happening over and over again. Uh, yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, it sucks. It's definitely going to put their, you know, their European qualification very much in doubt. Let's, you know, imagine that that, that still matters. So that's, you know, it's going to, it, it, it's going to make the last, you know, seven odd games of the season a lot a lot different and it's going to set up a, a pretty interesting Coppa Italia final because they haven't been able to beat Atlanta this year and like Sam mentioned at the beginning of the pod they've kind of struggled with them uh, for the last couple seasons now so that's going that's far from a done deal I think that's going to be a really really good matchup yeah I don't have too much to add actually to that I think you guys uh put it basically spot on um Indeed, I don't think we were blown away this game. That, that's kind of that was my fear. Just given the type of team Atalanta is, just a relentless, uh, relentless attacking force that they are, and just given our shaky uh, form this season, um, I was pretty worried that they were just going to, you know, offensively just overwhelm us. But uh, they absolutely didn't. It was a bit of a still. Yeah, I mean, it was just a still made for most of the game. Atalanta, yeah, probably overall edged it, but. I mean, it was it, yeah. Like, like I said, uh, Sergio, it, it. I think that that was the perfect description of like, you know, this is the type of game that over the last nine years we would get that lucky break and then, you know, close out the one nil and we're just not that team anymore. But you know, overall, I'm not as uh, disheartened from that game as I thought I would be, and it just sets an interesting blueprint for the final. Indeed, as you said, like, will it? Will Pirlo stick with this type of tactic again, where you just, you know, yeah, you soak up the pressure, you close them out, and yeah, hope for basically a, yeah, one one strike, one one or two strikes to push us through, or is he going to take a more proactive approach for that game? And you know, I kind of understand why he said that, uh, why Pirlo said that, you know, this was we played the type of game that we wanted to play because we did nullify Atalanta for the most part. So you know, I can sympathize with that but again yeah i mean is he gonna stick with that type type of setup for the final or not i i don't know let's see shucks i i just need to call you out on something for putting the kibosh on federico chiesa after last week when you started wondering about how well how well he was gonna hold up physically (laughs) and then there he goes there goes his hamstring nice job well done and people wonder why i make predictions after events yeah. after events yeah. i stole that from tim, tim i stole that from tim vickery so uh yeah, disclaimer hey, there's, drink there's, there's good old tim uh quick question as we go around the horn here before we wrap things up how do we think paulo dibala played in his first start in three months i mean solid and un- unspectacular i thought like not bad definitely not bad just uh basically to be expected from a pl- person that hasn't you know played for months but yeah i mean overall i think you had you know some good touches generally um you know, participate in an attacking play quite well. But yeah, I mean, it was nothing to, you know, not Ballon d'Or uh, type of play. But um, yeah, solid if unspectacular. Yeah, same. I, I think he, he played well. I definitely think that you could tell that the guy's been, you know, away for a while because I think the first half, he was pretty effective. I think he had a couple of really good plays. And, and then the second half, he immediately faded. Like you could tell that he was spent. And obviously that, that makes sense considering the fact that he's been, you know, 
he's been off for pretty much the whole season. So I think that's understandable. But if, if you want to look at it in a positive way, I think uh, there were a lot of good things to take away. And it's a, it's a good sign that he could come in and, and play and actually affect the game pretty much the whole first half. And then, you know, his condition, his conditioning is just not there at the time. But I, I think it's a good sign. It's a it's a good harbinger for the the remainder of the season. Let's hope that that he can, you know, he can kind of keep this up and bring it up to to a level to the level that we know he can be. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much spot on. First half, he was really good. You know, overall, I think I remember from my stats, he had three key passes the entire game. That's that's a lot for one game, most of that coming in the first half. And he also came closer than anybody else on the team this year did to scoring on a free kick. Um, you know, he actually put it, you know, hardy, hardy really, are. really close to the, <laughs> he actually put it really, really close to the goal instead of hitting the dude in the wall right in front of him. That that's just, you got to think that that's an improvement just off of, you know, just in general. And he is, in fact, one of the most accurate free kick takers in Europe over the last five, six years. But yeah, I mean, for your first start since January, since the beginning of January, okay, he faded badly, uh, but you, that's to be expected. I just, you just wish that when that happens, that there was somebody else to to turn to to be able to pick him up after that. Indeed, indeed. All righty, we will end things on that note. Obviously, more to come with the Super League drama and everything surrounding it. So, obviously, stay up to date with us as we continue to cover one of the biggest stories, I think it's safe to say, in the sports history. So, you can follow us on Twitter. Obviously, we did not have time for any Twitter questions today. Blame that on the Super League as well. You can follow us on Facebook black and white red all over if you listen to us on apple itunes or apple Podcasts, google podcast or spotify search black and white and red all over if you listen on apple Podcasts, feel free to rate us and leave us a review so after all that for sam for sergio and for chucks this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week